0: We're learning Daf Bays, we're starting from the bottom line of Ayn Aleph Ahmed Beis, where the Gemara here is talking about the Brice, or in the middle of analyzing the Brice. So the Brice mentioned that the different materials um, that were used for the begadim and the woven materials in the base of Mikdash, so they had different sized threads in them. So the Brice mentioned that wherever the word shesh is used, it means that the threads were sixfold together. Wherever the word mushzar is used alone, which we came out was by the the, the pomegranates on the bottom of the, the meil which were made of wool so that's each one was eight so now we're up to that the, the meil was made of twelve so the meil was just made of tcheles there was nothing else it was just tcheles wool but all the the cords that were used for it were fold. so the morse says he says meil you should make the meil uh, you should make the meil for the of the eifod the so it says you're using tcheles which is kalil. Kalil means a braid a braid by definition means you have at least two so we know you have at least two in. And what t'cheles? Well, t'chelesim, we all t'cheles, t'cheles, parochas. We look, we look at the number of strands that you're going to use, but for each, paro- for each t'cheles, from what, we, from what it says by the, by the parochas. Ma'la, halan, shisha, just as the threads so for the curtain are six. And the way that we know that is that by the parochas, it uses the word sheish. And, we, and as uh, we, we learned that wherever it says sheish, each of the materials that are there are sixfold. So just as by the parochas, where it says the word t'cheles, we know the t'cheles was sixfold. Avkan Shisha, totally, the threads of the trellis by the by the meil have six strands, and we know that the Torah is saying again that it's klil trellis, where it's a braid together of the trellis one. So if each one is six, and there's a braid together, so that tells us that there's an that there's a total of twelve strands formed together for each cord here in the trellis in the, the trellis of the meil. Says the Gemara, how do you know to learn trelas Trelas from the parochas and say it's six? Why don't we learn the number of strands here in the meil? from the, from, from, and we could look at it from the very word of tcheles that's used by the bottom, right? By the, why are you running to a different thing? You could look at it from the bottom of the meal. The bottom of the meal, the wool on the pomegranates we established yesterday was eight. Ma'la'lan There we established because it said the word mashar. So instead of learning tcheles from the parochas where it was six, maybe it was eight and learn tcheles from the bottom, from the ham, what's on the bottom of the meal, and it would be eight, and then it would be a total of 16. So the Qumar says, We want to learn a cleave from a cleve. We want to learn the, how big is the, the me'il, the threads of the me'il from another cleve from the paroches. We're not going to learn what the me'il was from a tachshit. A tachshit is just like something that's decorative. So the bells on the bottom, the pomegranates, they were just decorative. They're not an etzim cleave. So that's different. It's like we're not going to compare it to there. So that's why we're not going and making the comparison to there. We're making the comparison of treles from the paroches. Says the Gemara, but I'll show you as far to the opposite. Wouldn't it be better to learn something about the robe, from the robe itself? If you want to know about the me'il, why would you run to the parochas? Why don't you learn from the hem of the me'il, from the, from, the, from the pomegranates that are in the bottom? It's something about the me'il itself. ain't Why would I learn something about the, the me'il from, from general, from the other things that are out there that have nothing to do with the me'il? So the Gemara says, you're right. We were out of quantity. We wouldn't know how to learn. Again, the issue is how thick the strands are when you're making the me'il we said yesterday in the Brisa that there were a bunch of words of sheish, a bunch of them were extra, and after we learned that it says, that, that it tells us in general, it says sheish at six, we said there was still yet an extra word sheish, and it tells you that you're going to get to a place where you're not going to know if it's six or it's eight, and we're going to tell you that it's six. It was like a drush of mamish taking me- meino inyan, and that's exactly what we're doing. We're applying it to the me'il. When we're going to get to the me'il and it's going to say tchilas, we're not going to know if we should learn tchilas from six or tchilas from eight. And we're going to answer it here. There's an extra word shayish in the Torah not written by the me'il, but we're going to apply it to the me'il and say that the strands of the me'il were threat The threads of the were six, and since it says klil tchilas, that's how we get a total of twelve continuing to analyze the bride saw. So after we said that the meal was 12, we said parochas in rabba. The parochas was 24-fold. There were a bunch of 24 threads together. So let's, So let's. the uh, le- 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 le Gemara now clarifies for us. There were four types of things. The word shesh is used, and there are four types of things that are described in the, paro- the parochas, four types of materials. So the Gemara says rabba dashisa, shisa, each type, each four, each one was six strands. Lodina for lodina, there's no judgment here. Meaning the Gemara is saying, there's no analysis we need to do. This is the one which is actually very simple. It says sheish, and it says the sheish there it means linen, and it also has the four other, it also has the three other types of wool, all put together. It says the word sheish. We know each material is six. Six times four is twenty-four. It's very simple. Then what do the brays say? Now the chosh and the ephod have 28, 28 threads together. So minolam, what's going on? Where do we get twenty-eight from? Okay, you should make it the way a craftsman would do it just like the ephod. And then the passage goes on to list what you use. There were golden little threads, you know, like little, little, little pieces of of gold that are wrappable. So there was gold. So it seems like there's five things that are going on here. You have the gold and then the four other materials. So the last four materials where it says the word sheish, where the word sheish here is used. So you assume that the last four materials are all four, are all six. That's a total of 24, just like we said, as from ball, just like we said by, by the Baruchas. But now the question is, how much more gold was there? So somebody might say there were six, right? But that would bring us to a total of 30. But we're saying, no, Zav, there there's only four strands of gold. That was 28. So the Gemara says, how do you know that? We're saying, wherever it says sheish, we assume all the materials are sixfold. So here we're saying by the eightfold, yeah, that's true, except for the gold. The gold was only four, says the Gemara, of Ema, Zav, Right? How do we know that the gold strands in the in the, in the, in the of Aphod were only four? Maybe the gold strands were six. And it says when they, were, when they were making the gold, that they were cutting it up into little, little pieces, into little strands. So it says Pisilim. So pisil, if it would just say one strand, again, what's a pisil? It's like a braid. So you would say, it would have, it would have been just one, pisilin. So that's now you have two. It's like two so two braids. Are so basically we're saying we don't say it's six because the Torah specifically gave us a word that we're meant to expound to understand how much, how much gold there was. It says pisilim, the plural of the amount of braided gold. So therefore that tells us that there was four, because again, a braid is two and pisilim in the plural therefore is four. And we don't apply the regular thing that wherever it says shesh and all the materials is going to be six. So the other four besides the gold were six each. That's a total of twenty-four, but the gold was four, so twenty-four plus four is twenty-eight. The pasuk says, "What do you do with the gold threads?" It says, "You work it into the threads. So you like you wrap it in it." So, if there would be six strands of gold, how would they go into the other four materials? How are you going to take six and put it into four? Now, but our the tray tray, if we're going to make four sets of two. Of two gold strands, so you're trying to braid two gold gold strands into each of the other four. You don't have enough. You, you would need eight, right? We want to make it equal, where you're 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 putting the, an amount of gold equally distributing it into the other four materials. So if you want to put two th- threads of gold apiece, you would need eight, not six. They have it trade, the trade, trade. If we make two sets of two into the two threads, we trade the chad chad, and then two sets of one. To make to you to say so now we want to take six and put it into four, but we can't do that. It's that everything is uniform, you always have exactly the same amount. The trilas, arguments, lashani, and the linen are all made in the exact same way. So, if the gold is being worked into them, and I only have a total of six and I'm trying to put it work it into four, there's no way to make it uniform. The math just is not exact. So if you had eight, it would be great. You'd put two, two threads of gold into each of the four materials. But I don't have that. I have six. You want me to have six? If I have six, there's no way to make it uniform. So basically, that tells us it has to be that there's only four. And now it makes sense. Now there's one in each. Why do we say that there's four as opposed to eight and say that there's two in each? I don't know. Maybe because we just don't have the right to assume that there's more. I don't know. But anyways, that's the second approach here in the Gemara. That's how we know that there's not six threads of gold because since the Torah is saying that the gold is, is worked into the other four materials so it has to be done in a uniform way so six would not go in a uniform way to be worked into four okay now we're done with this okay we got to the basic point all the materials that were used the begadim and everything was a bunch of threads that were together different sizes different amounts in different places so now we talk in general about big day kuna omarach omarav i mekareya big day kuna like it someone who goes and rips one of the big day kuhuna, there's a lava in the tire. Sounds like you know, the sun you get malchus for or It says that it should not be torn. So the Pasik here happens to be talking about it. it's by the it's by the Mail. Um, and there was like a little trim at the top right by the you put it on, like over your head to make sure that, that it wouldn't um, it wouldn't rip. So if you go ahead and rip a bag, you're either on a lava of Loy Korea. One of the Tariq mitzvahs, Torah is not telling you it should or shouldn't. The Torah is not saying it's an Avera to rip the Beitikunah. The Torah is saying make a good trim for it at the top of the hole for the neck so that it will not tear. Meaning the Torah is coming to tell you there's a mitzvah to make the trim. It's not coming to tell you there's an iser to go ahead and rip it. The Torah is saying do this so that it will not rip. The Torah is not saying there's a lav in the Torah to go ahead and rip. So the Gemara responds: yikarea. It's grammar. Did the Torah say do this so that it will not rip? It didn't say yikarea. The Torah says lo yikarea. It will not be torn. So it's stating a new din of an issar. It's saying you're right, 100. Make a hem, make this trim at the top by the neck. But it's adding that the, the the chashivas of this thing of making sure is a din lo yikareya. There's an iser for it to be ripped. So both point, points are true. And now in general, by big day if somebody rips them. Their mamash evir, an olav. Very similar idea. We find Amar Ablasa mizia choshim Somebody who loosens the cho, the, the from the ephah. The choshim was attached to the ephah. So if you come and you detach it, if i your body the aron, or somebody who takes out the poles from the aron, the aron always had the poles in it. If you take out the poles, look at there's malchus. shenemar, lo yizav lo Yasuru. Different it says that, that, that you're supposed to attach the choshen to the ephod with rings. There were rings which attach them. And when it goes on to say that the choshen should not be detached. So that's coming to say the Gemara is assuming a lav if you detach. it. And the same thing with the poles. It says that the rings, um, the, the, in the rings of the Aron, the Pasuk says, the, 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 these, the, in the rings the poles are always going to be. And then it says, and they, and they will not come out. So it sounds like they're saying an isser to take them out. Maybe the Torah is just saying, tighten the rings to attach the and eifol, the that they won't come detached and they won't come off. The same thing with the, with the poles. The Torah is just saying, make sure that the rings are tight and that you insert them properly so that they will not come out. But it's not saying that there's a lot. The Torah is just coming to tell you the way that it's constructed, the way that it's made. It's not coming to say a new din unto itself that it's also to do it. So the Gemara responds with the same idea. Does it say, so that it will not happen? It doesn't say that in the Torah. It seems to be saying it as its own point. So it's a lob in the Torah. So both points are true. You're supposed to attach the Choshin to the a and there's a new din, that there's an Aveira if you detach. them. the same thing with the poles. You're supposed to make it tight, and there's an Aveira if you detach it. Continues the Gemara more with the poles here. It sounds like the poles never come off. It says that the poles should go into the rings. So it sounds like this is when they were. So, so it happens to be this Pasuk that we showed them are struggling. It's not it's not by the Aaron at all. Um, it's actually by the Mizbech. But there's another Pasuk um, that is talking about the, the Aaron, and it sounds like you're, you're like putting them in. So if it sounds like if you're putting them in, this is where they were constructing it, that they're meant to come in and out. So, okay, it's that. They were loose and would never come out. Meaning, the way it was is that they were thicker on the ends than in the middle. So you would have to force it through. You could force it. And that's why it was possible to take it out as well. But once you stuck it in, it, like, it was very, very hard to come out. It's like, you know, like an Ikea thing. Like, it's not, like, perfect. Like, you could force it. But, like, once it's in, it's in. And then, like, you know, you do it. It's, like, very old like that. So the Gemara is saying, that's the poles here. So they could, Lamaisa, force them in, and that's the way they did. But once they go in, they're not to be moved, and they were constructed in that way, they were thicker at the end, that they were, they were designed in that way, they wouldn't come out. It says in the Gemara, It says in the Pesach, I would say, they don't move at all. Clearly, their poles are able to be moved. The Pesach says to put them in. So you might think it's so easy to take them in and out. You know, you take them in, you take them out, no big deal. So which one is it? They were loose, but they never come out. And again, in the middle they were thinner, so they had some wiggle room to move around. But the ends were thicker, so it was much harder to actually force it through the hole it would be a lot harder. Continues the Gemara. When here, when we're talking about the, the crushing the wood that was used to make them to make the mishkan, it says it was made of cedar wood standing. What does it mean? Omdim"? They stood in the mishkan the same way that they grew on the tree. very important you say because this is a cloud by all mitzvahs that you're supposed to use a mitzvah at shal mitzvah, it should be in the, in the position that the way that it grows. So what does that mean? If I have like you know. A block of wood, of a branch, let's say, or a log, whatever that I took off a tree. So the part that was on the top of the tree should be standing up on the top of the beam, and the bottom of the beam should be the part that was on the bottom. And that's the same Like the Gemara and Sukkot says, the same thing to lulav and esrog. You can't, you so If you take a lulav upside down, a done. the way that it. So, so here when it's saying omdim omdim means that it's it's helping something else stand. It's a support. That means that the plating, right? They used to have wood. For the kashim, and then they were plated with gold. So it wasn't just like a nice, strong sheet of gold that was on the outside. There were little plates on it. And they were all supported by the wood. So this is a thing about the Mishkan. You would say that where is the Mishkan today? The Mishkan's gone, right? So once the Mishkan's gone, that's it. The, all the promises about the eternity of the Mishkan and all the, 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 the hope that Hashem gave—it's all—it's all over. That the beams are standing. The beams are always there. So This is a very interesting, interesting thing because the pasuk is said by the mishkan, and the mishkan was actually the most movable thing. So it sounds like the mishkan has a din that is forever lo alamim. For example, the base I make not so pasuk kitchelas the level it's machlokas. I do understand, and even some mishitas whole kitchelas the level. But it sounds like there is this idea that the mishkan is lo me which is an extremely hard idea to understand. What do you mean? The Mishkan has no key and today, right? When well, the Mishkan's gone, maybe the Makam of the base of Mikdash was king, but the K'rashim and the Mishkan are and that's a alamim. it's an interesting idea that that's where eternity comes from is the most transient thing. So it sounds like a hard idea. Says the Gemara, Khamar Bhakanina, Mahdi big day HaSirad the Sharis when we talk about the Big Day Kunam, we call them Big Day Sirad. So what does Sirad mean? So the Gemara explains Tapad Ahmad Baze. So sarid so means like something to, rem, to remain, like uh, something left over. And we're saying it's a drasha. of the big day kuna we use for kapara. Because first of all, the Kohen wears it when he, when he brings carbono. Second of all, the Gemara tells us in Zvachim that the big dekuna themselves are mechaber. So if not for the, all the big day kuna and their kaparas, it would be nothing left over from Chal Yisrael. And it's obviously a, a backwards Lashon, Lashon Sagina Har. Lashon HaGemara is from the enemies of Klay Israel, but it's being used as a euphemism for Klay Israel themselves. So if not for the Big Day Guna, they're Big Day Serah, they're Biggadim that leave leftovers, meaning it's, it's what preserves Klay Israel. says the Gemara of Al-Ma'ad Tana, The garments are cut off from the loom where they were woven, right? They used to be woven. They were cut off from the loom, and could be name, just like the shape that they were going to be worn, um but some part would be left over. So meaning there would be leftover part. So what in the world are we talking about? So we're talking about Rashi Explained, It was like a shtickle miracle. We have no idea how they did this, but we know we make like flat 2D things, right? A flat sheet when you weave something on the loom. And now if you wanna come along and make, I don't know, a shirt, you're gonna to have to attach different materials that were made off the loom, would take different things sew them together and boom you have a shirt but somehow they took off from the womb when they were making the big day the big the big day kuna and the original one in the times of the mishkan in the exact shape that it needed to be worn so it was like in that circle shape like you know you have a shirt it's exactly in the way that it needed to be and there was a hem there was a little bit of a hem that was on the bottom when we them, there were some parts that were left over that wouldn't be used that wasn't uh wasn't woven with the rest of the stuff so that's big day desrad the begotten that were perfectly ready to use and that had some left over on the bottom the gemara describes my year this is the, uh, the the part of the begad that was done with sewing so it sounds like the pasher shot is what we're saying is most of it was woven and then there was a little bit of it that had to be sewn in. So the Mar says, what are you talking about? What, what is this extra part of the Begah that has to be sewn in? It says in the Brai'sah that the Big day Kuna, you don't do anything sewn. There's no sewing. It's all weaving. The Torah emphasizes again and again that it's Maa'sel Oreg, a weaver's work. It's not something that you sew. So what's Rishakash saying? That part of it, the, the serod, is done with needlework. So The extra part is talking about the sleeves. So the sleeves are made also, but how were the sleeves attached to the main body of the shirt? The sleeves were woven separately. How were they then attached to the garment? It was done. With some form of attachments, obviously, that was some, some needlework. Another point is that the sleeves used to reach the palm of the coin's hand. So it's like you know, you want to know what's that custom made jacket, how exactly how far does it go? It's supposed to reach the palm here. The Gemara is saying by the Big Dekuna. So, at any rate, what we're saying is there was a little bit of needlework which was used in the Big Dekuna, not for the making of the things itself, for the, for the making of both the sleeves and the main body of the shirt, that was weaver's work, but for the actual attachment of the sleeve. To the body of the shirt that was done with a little bit of needlework okay now we talk about the arun the arun was made of three different boxes the middle box was made of wood of atzishitim um, and the height of the middle box was nine tfachim there was an inner box that, was in, that fit inside snug inside the wooden box that was eight tfachim high and Chitzon Asar the outer box was gold, and the height was how big? 10 Tvachim and a little bit. So we're assuming here that the base was um, there was a, like a base that was just a tiny little bit, and the rest of it is covering the inner box, which is 9. So we're assuming it reaches 10 Tvachim and a little bit. So the Gwara says, No, the outer box is actually 11 Tvachim and a bit. So we have a stira. How tall was the outer box? So the Torah says, The question is, how big, the, how thick, I should say. Uh, how thick the bottom of the box was. If it was a thick, uh, had a thickness of a tefach, on the bottom, so then it had to be eleven, because it's rising up above one tefach above on the on the side, so uh, uh, to cover to cover the entire amount of the of the inner wooden box. So if it was a tefach thick, then it was eleven tefachim. If it was not a tefach thick, then it could just be ten and a little bit. Okay. So that's is about whether the base, the bottom, the, the, the thickness of a tafach. But everybody agrees, whether it was 10 or 11, everybody agrees that there was an extra little bit that stuck out on top of the wooden box. So my mashu, what is this extra little bit that the Bryce was talking about? So the Gemara says zer, we're talking about the crown, and there's the idea that the Torah says you're supposed to make a crown all around, and it's, 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 it's just decoration on top of, on top, it's, like a, it's like a rim on top, and it was a little bit on top of the kapor, So the kapora would cover it, and it was like a crown That would go around, around it So the Gemari now Talks about this a little bit There are three different crowns That were used in the Mishkan There was one that went on the Mishkan There was one That one we're talking about here That was on the Arun And one that went on the Shulchan What's the idea, very homiletical idea that there are three crowns, one on the inner Mizbeach, one on the Arun, and one on the Shulchan. The crown of the Mizbeach is for Arun. crown is like, you know, the splendor of something. So it's, it represents the personalities of the people that, that, that are using these kelims, that the kelim are intended for. So the kelim, so on an actual literal level, obviously only the kohenim are using all these kelims. But what do these kelims represent? So for the Mizbeach, that's Aaron. Mizbeach is Karbanos. That's for Aaron. That's for the Kohanim. That's the Chilich of Avodah. That's designed just for Aaron. That's the crown that's made for him. The crown of Avodah. The crown of the table, David HaMelech comes and takes. Because what's the Shulchan? The Shulchan is Malchus. Because the whole thing is, is that it makes you rich and this and that, the bread. It's the idea that David HaMelech had the whole thing. So he was Zaycha to that. The crown of Malchus. Shall Aaron, the one of the Aaron Munachu. That one is Munach, meaning... The idea is that the keser of Torah, which is represented in Aron, is not exclusive for any one person. It's there for everybody. It's an absolute meritocracy. Kol roitzolikach devol Anyone who wants to come and can take it. And part of the idea is also is that it's not. First of all, it could be anyone, and second of all, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't run out. That's a, there's like really two themes here in the, in the in the drash. One is that it's for anybody, and number two is that it's always there. It's always waiting for the taking. There's a, it's an interesting. Uh, Thing. This is actually this Lamash this Lashon on Gemara. This Lashon is used by, by Hordes. When Hordes was killing all the Rabanan to say, Oh, what's going to be? You kill all the rabbis, who's going to study Torah? He says, Kerser Torah is sitting there in the corner. Anybody can come and take it. So it's like the same idea. <laughs> it's just interesting to see it there in that Lashon here. That's exactly the trash that the Gemara is taking. Maybe you're going to say, if it's for anybody and it ever runs out, so obviously it's not as Choshev of a crown. The Torah says, through me, malachim are going to um, have their maluchas. So what does this mean? So this is a pasuk here in Mishlei, But we're saying that it's talking about the Torah. And the Torah is saying that the one who appoints the king, which is the Chacham, he's more than the king, the king himself. And the king himself. So it's the, through the acts of I mean, the chachamim, that's how the malachim get their maluchah. So the Torah is the highest level. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi had a contradiction Ksiv Zar. In the Ksiv, it doesn't necessarily say the nakudos, right? So, so if you just see Zion and Reish, so the way that it's written, you could say it's Zar. Zar means like a foreigner, something strange, something that's that's not that's not regular. Karina and Zer, but we read it the way that it's read, pronounced is Zer. So, what's it teaching us? Zacha, if you're a good person and you learning Torah, lo Lozer, it becomes a crown. Lo Zaha, if you're not doing learning Torah in the right way, Zarami Menhu, then it goes away from him. Rashi says that you just forget all your learning. So it's unclear what, what it depends on, right? So the Gemara in Megillah says that there's a following idea, if you put in hard work, you're always gonna be successful. It's all about how hard you work. But the Gemara says that sometimes Right? There's an idea that sometimes remembering Torah might be assistance from Shemaim. And maybe that's what's saying here in the Gemara, that if you're Zohar, you're going to be Zohar, then it's, then it's like a crown. You always remember whatever you learn. And that's what it means. It's like glory. Like a person spends the time learning, and then boom, they're Tamachacham. They know things. So it's a crown. It's a glory for him. Sometimes a person is not Zaycheh. It's distant from him. They spent all the time learning, and still, unfortunately, they don't remember. Continues the Gemara Bi'ochan of says the It says that it's the it's the lashon yachid. Moshe should make the aron. also and then it says in the pasuk, in the plural, that it's made, everybody's making it, the people are making it. So what's the answer? So the people of the city are supposed to do the work for him. So what does that mean? It means that even though it's his work, right, it's the tamachacham, but the community is supposed to help him. Meaning, if the community has, a guy has whatever it is, the tamachacham has a job that he's supposed to do, so then the community should help him do it. Why? So that it frees up his time to go learn Torah. So we're saying here that, waha, so too, it's, it's, it's Moshe really who was supposed to do it, but it's Moshe, was the Tamachacham, and he has a job to make the Aaron, so in order to make sure that, that he goes and learns, so everybody should help him out. Continues the Gemara, it says about the Aaron, from, from in and outside, it's, it's coated with gold. So, that the inside is not like the outside. So meaning what? That he's not so sincere. He's not so, you know, complete. Ain't no tamchacham. It's not considered Because again, the arun is representative of Torah. So we're saying that the arun was coded with gold not only on the inside, but also on the outside. Or not only on the outside, but the inside as well. So that's the simple lesson. The simple lesson is, which way would you say it? Why is it quoted not only on the outside, but also on the inside? That's the Pasham shot, right? In other words, we understand why it's coated on the outside. It's supposed to be covered in gold, look nice, like the, the crush room or like that awesome. But we're saying, what's the point of having that, that even be biased, that even on the inside of the and it's coated with gold. Why have the inner box? No one's seeing that. So that's what we're saying, is that it's not, it's not enough to be sincere on the outside. It's not enough to have a gold on the outside. You have to have toho that's also kebara, that the inside is reflective of what he's demonstrating on the outside. And if not, he's not considered a tamachacham. Says the Gemara, Not only is not a tamachacham, like you're saying it's like not a positive, like he's lacking a positive tamachacham, but the Gemara says he's even a negative. He's a toy. There's something disgusting about it. Because insincerity, in a way, it's worse to be that than to just not be a tamachacham. We're describing here, somebody's drinking this like bad water. The avlodika water And we're seeing that it's a reference to this person who's drinking the Torah, but he's not sincere on the inside. And it seems that the the Torah here is the mashul. It's it's being compared to the water, and the guy's drinking the bad water, and he's a bad person, the Pasuk says. He's a Says the Gemara. So we're looking here at a Pasuk in Mishle, and where the Pasuk says that there's... um, Sometimes money is, hey, it's like it's like we're questioning, why would money ever be given to a fool who's going to go try to get Chachma, but he doesn't have a good heart. So we're talking about someone who's trying to use his money to purchase Chachma, but his heart is not in the right place. So what is this a reference to? Woe to the enemies of chachamim, meaning themselves. <inaudible> they're very busy spending their money on Chachma, meaning they're busy learning. They're putting in their energies to learn. But if they don't have the right heart, they don't have the right Chachma, so the Gemara is saying that it's a very bad thing. It's like a masha. Whoa, it's the person who doesn't own a courtyard, but he's busy making a gate for his courtyard. So we're saying that's the same thing. A guy doesn't even have anything to put in his courtyard. He doesn't have anything. He doesn't have fear of heaven. He doesn't have a good heart. But on the outside, he's very busy making you know, making a gate for his courtyard. It's ridiculous, right? If you don't have a courtyard, why are you making a gate? So the same thing. Why would you be learning Torah if you don't have your Shemaim in the inside? Don't go to Gehenim twice. This is an awesome line in the Gemara. Because you're going to go to Gehenim twice. It means well, you're busy learning Torah and you're not doing it. So you're going to get Gehenim twice. Why? Gehenim in the next world because you need not have But you also have Gehenim here. Because you're not enjoying life. Right? It, Torah is sacrifice. You're giving up on all the, you know, the rest of your life. You may as well enjoy your life if you're going to go to Gehenim anyways because you're doing all that verse. So, sum is an interesting word. Literally, it literally means like the place. This is the Torah that Moshe placed. But we're dashing the word sum. that if a person is deserving, he's a good person, it's like a sum. Some. some is like a drug. It's like a medicine. So, what type of medicine? So, it could be, we know it even today. Drugs are good and bad. So, if it's some, it's a Sam Chaim. If he's not, he's only Torah for the wrong reason, then it's a drug of death. It, it, it kills the person it actually makes his character worse. Says the If you use the Torah well, it's a drug of life. If you don't use it well, then it's a drug that, it can, be, that can kill a person. Says the Gemara. It's exciting, it makes like us happy, it gives a person inner simcha. It also says it breaks a person, it breaks down. So what is it? So if a person is deserving, he learns it in the right way, the Torah can bring a person to inner simcha. So then it can break a person. You don't have to make a contradiction between two different sukkim. You could see it from the pasach itself. You know, think about what it means to break down. So what does it mean? It's a preparation. It's a preparation for Chaim. What Chaim? Chaim and Olam Abba. Meaning, even if you have a tough life with Torah, with the sacrifice, it's just breaking you down. It's like you know, like a metal that is being broken down in order to have chaim at the end and all the mabah. But if you're not to which is which is really tough, that a person's sacrificing so much, and the irony is that he's not getting anything with it. It's actually just breaking him down all the Yasur. And again, it sounds like it all depends on the person's character in the year of Shemayim and the way that he's learning the Torah. He continues the Gemara: Hashem um The fear of Hashem is pure forever. So Amr Torah to refer to someone who studies Torah when he's Tahar. What does it mean that he's studying Torah when he's Tahar? you know If a person has to know, should he get married first and then study Torah or study Torah and then get married? So we say that it's better to learn Torah to, to learn Torah after marriage. And it sounds like the idea is that then he's able to learn more Bitahara. Continues to Qur'a ne What does that mean? That the Torah is Trustworthy—that's like What does that mean? The Torah is trustworthy. So it's always going to testify about a person who learned it. Meaning, the idea is that and this is a hard thing. I don't fully understand. But a person gets the shemayim. Like, you know, did you do good? Did you not do bad? So all the things that you learned, the Torah itself is like becomes a witness for you, and it comes and it discusses in your relationship that you had with it. It defends you in front of the rebbeinu It's because if your Torah is like has your back, so to speak, and that's idus Hashem Okay, now we go back to the cloth, the way that they use for the mishka and the screens that they used, Mase Rokim. And it also says Maase So we have two different things, rokim and choshev. So which one is it? What, what, what does that mean here exactly? So one is the, the designer and one is the way it's embroidered. And the Gemara is going to tell us what, is that, what that means. They would embroider, they would make the embroidery in the way that they made the design. So Rashi explains what they mean is they would draw out the design they were trying to make on the screens. They would draw it out and then they were embroider it following the way that it was drawn. So it's like kinda of like a blueprint, and then you, you actually execute it. So there was both things. They would have drawings and then they would on a cloth and then they would actually embroider them. we look at it differently. When it says Rokim, Rokim can mean the needles. The fika parts of If it's needlework and these designs were only would only be on one side. However, Choshev, when you're talking about a designer, Maasei Oreg, that's a weaver, Lefica Shepart then the things that they would make on the screen would be visible from both ends. So some of the designs went in as a needlework, so that was only on one side of the screen. Others went in the weaving, so the weaving is, right, the threads that are crisscrossing, so therefore you would, they would be able to be seen on both sides of the, of the screens. Okay, I'll stop here.